You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more. So you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, May 24th, 2022. Coming up this hour. U.S. futures sink as earnings from snaps and big tech lower. Christine Lagarde weighs in on monetary policy, saying she won't rush into withdrawing stimulus. U.S. primaries in focus again as contests in Georgia could show Donald Trump's influence on the GOP. The gunman in a deadly subway shooting in New York remains on the loose. Plus, Texas Governor Abbott says more is needed to stop the flow of migrants. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm Scott Seidenberg. The Yankees drop their third straight. The Mets win big out west. I'll have that and more coming up in sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 58 points. Dow futures down 330, and NASDAQ futures down 248. The DAX in Germany is down 1.2 percent. Ten-year treasury of 1430 seconds yield 2.80 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.57 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down four-tenths percent, or 49 cents, at $109. 81 cents a barrel. Comex gold up four tenths percent or seven dollars twenty cents at eighteen sixty one twenty an ounce. And Bitcoin this morning at twenty nine thousand one hundred fifty dollars. John. Karen, the decline in futures follows yesterday's rally to start the week. The Dow leading the gains, advancing two percent. Looks like we still haven't hit bottom, at least according to David Stubbs, the global head of cross asset thematic strategy at J.P. Morgan Private Bank. What the market uh, has been fearing in the last couple of weeks is that the the growth outlook may be weakening and therefore earnings you know, trends going forward may also start to weaken. You know, we'll see you know, this, this week this rally can absolutely continue from here because of where how oversold markets were if the data is, is supportive. But that doesn't mean that we've, meet, we've reached an important bottom in the markets, no. J.P. Morgan's David Stubbs says he needs to see easing inflation and clarity about where interest rates will peak. That, he says, could signal a bottom to the stock market. 
Well, John, today's market direction is being influenced by disappointing earnings from Snap. And we get the details live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. When markets closed yesterday, Snap warned that it would miss record second quarter profit and revenue forecasts and needs to slow hiring. CEO Evan Spiegel cites the economic environment, and that sent shares tumbling down around 30%, which appears to be holding in pre-market trading. If that loss holds, it would be Snap's biggest daily drop on record, making the company lose some $11 billion in market value. Snap's also dragging down other tech names in pre-market trading. Twitter, Meta, Pinterest, and Alphabet are all lower, and they may collectively see a $100 billion wipeout. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thanks. On the flip side, shares of Zoom up almost 6% in early trading. The company signaling it can expand beyond its consumer-friendly video software that made it a pandemic darling. Zoom projected sales and profit for the current quarter that topped estimates. Well, turning to the economy now, John, Kansas City Fed President Esther George expects the central bank to raise interest rates to 2% by August. After that, she says more tightening will be guided by how fast inflation cools off. George has been known as a longtime policy hawk who more recently moved to the center. And Karen, monetary policy, a focus in Europe this morning, a day after Christine Lagarde said higher interest rates are coming in July. The ECB president sat down for her first interview at the World Economic Forum in Davos, and she spoke with Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix. We are at a turning point. We have all the uh, components in place for that. Uh, We are turning our back to negative interest rates. We are moving very lightly uh, into positive territory at the end of the third quarter. And then, of course, we will calibrate. We will establish exactly by how much we want to do that. Christine Lagarde also rejecting the idea that the euro area is headed for recession. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with the ECB president coming up shortly. And we also invite you to join us this morning where we continue our global coverage from Davos. We speak live with Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan. That conversation's coming up live at 11 a.m. Wall Street time on both Bloomberg Radio and television. And turning to politics now, President Biden wrapping up his trip to Asia. He spoke earlier today at the opening of the Leaders' Summit in Tokyo and addressed the ongoing war in Ukraine. We're navigating a dark hour in our shared history. The uh, Russian brutal and unprovoked war against Ukraine has triggered a humanitarian catastrophe and innocent civilians have killed in the streets and millions of refugees are internally displaced as well as exiled. President Biden urging Indo-Pacific leaders, including India's Narendra Modi, to make a greater effort to stop Vladimir Putin's aggression. And, John, the discussion of tariffs on China has also been a focal point of President Biden's trip to Asia. Biden says he will review Trump-era levies as consumer prices surge. We caught up with Trade Representative Catherine Tai, who also weighed in on the matter. With respect to the tariffs, our approach, as with everything in this relationship, is to be strategic. We have to keep our eye on the ball in terms of how to effectively realign the U.S.-China trade and economic relationship. Trade Representative Catherine Tai would not say whether the administration would remove tariffs on China or give a time frame for making a decision. And Karen, back here in the U.S. today marks another test of Donald Trump's influence on Republican voters this primary season. And Bloomberg's Joe Matthew tells us all eyes are on voters in Georgia. 
Trump's endorsement of former Senator David Perdue in the Republican gubernatorial primary has failed to make a serious threat to Governor Brian Kemp, who's currently leading Perdue by more than 20 percentage points, the incumbent being supported by establishment Republicans, including former Vice President Mike Pence. The outcome of this race and another for Secretary of State is considered personal for Trump after Georgia's Republican leaders did not overturn the 2020 election. One bright spot for Trump, his pick for Senate. Football legend Herschel Walker widely expected to win his primary. Joe Matthew, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Joe, thank you. Futures this morning are lower. S&P futures down 59 points. Dow futures down 334. And NASDAQ futures are down 250. That's down more than 2%. Ten-year Treasury up 1432 seconds, yield 2.79%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, thanks, Karen. 507 on Wall Street. And time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Mayor Eric Adams, John, says investigators of a fatal shooting on a New York subway train have few leads. Police say 48-year-old Daniel Enriquez was killed without provocation. The killer's still on the loose. Adams said that the shooting was unimaginable and the worst nightmare. I have to make sure the city is safe, and I want that obligation. I thank God I'm the mayor right now and not those that don't understand the urgency of this moment. Mayor Adams says there were no police officers on the train car where the shooting occurred. The NYPD says a second arrest was announced in the deadly shooting of an 11-year-old girl last week in the Bronx. Authorities say an alleged accomplice, 18-year-old Omar Bojang, turned himself in. He's accused of driving the scooter that a 15-year-old was allegedly riding on when he opened fire. The intended target is believed to have been another teen who was not hit, but instead a bullet struck and killed 11-year-old Kiara Tay. Bronx District Attorney Darcel Clark spoke outside the girl's funeral. 11-year-old, you know, can't even be outside. You know, she's getting her fingernails done and just, you know... Without knowing, bullets are flying, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It's incomprehensible, but this is what we've been dealing with in the Bronx. D.A. Darcel Clark. Texas Governor Greg Abbott was at the U.S. southern border where he praised the continuation of an immigration policy known as Title 42. The pandemic-era policy allows officials to turn away migrants at the border. President Biden tried to have Title 42 lifted, but Governor Abbott praised a federal judge's ruling that it must remain in place for now. The Biden administration seems to be letting in people, whether they're crossing through the port of entry or across the river, and there have been so many people allowed in because of that. Governor Abbott made his comments at Eagle Pass border crossing yesterday. Washington state health officials in Seattle and King County say they are investigating a presumptive case of monkeypox. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. Five oh nine on Wall Street. And that's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Good morning, John. The Yankees fell to the Orioles 6-4, suffering their season-high third straight loss. Ramon Urias hit a tie-breaking home run in the sixth inning off of Garrett Cole, and the O's overcame two Aaron Judge homers to pull off the upset. For Cole, he allowed five runs on seven hits in eight innings, taking his first loss of the season. Here's manager Aaron Boone. A weird night tonight where Garrett was really, for the most part, dominant, you know, except that string there for five to seven minutes in that one inning. Meanwhile, Yankees third baseman Josh Donaldson has been suspended 
suspended one game by Major League Baseball after referring to White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson as Jackie, referencing Jackie Robinson. Donaldson is appealing the suspension, saying the reference stems from comments made by Anderson back in a 2019 interview when he compared himself to Robinson. Donaldson was placed on the COVID-19 injury list yesterday prior to the game. The Mets last night beat the Giants 13-3. Pete Alonso hit a three-run homer. Jeff McNeil and Mark Canna also went deep as the Mets won for the fifth time in six games. David Peterson picked up the win, allowing two runs in six innings. Tonight, the Rangers look to even up their series with the Hurricanes at two games apiece. Puck drop from the Garden at 7 o'clock. Tennis at the French Open. Several top players are out, including defending women's champ Barbara Krejcikova. The women's number two seed losing to French teenager Diane Perry. Elsewhere, Naomi Osaka is out losing to Amanda Anisimova. Osaka says she's not 100% sure she'll compete at Wimbledon. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, Scott. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, we have futures in the red right now, down futures 331 points lower. That is down just over 1% this morning. The S&P E-mini futures 58 points lower. That's down 1.5% in the early going. And the Nasdaq futures 247 points lower. That is down 2%. Most actively traded stock in the pre-market shares of Snap down just about 29%. After cutting their forecast. And as we look at treasuries this morning, the benchmark 10-year yield, 2.80%. That is down five basis points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Recession for Europe? Forget it. Francine Lacroix, her chat with Christine Lagarde is just ahead of must listen from the World Economic Forum. This is Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. A profit warning from Snap weighing on technology shares this morning. NASDAQ futures are down 247 points, down more than 2%. S&P futures down 57. Dow futures down 320. 10-year treasury up 1330 seconds, yield 2.80%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.57%. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. President Joe Biden has warned fellow leaders of the informal Indo-Pacific Security coalition known as the Quad. They are navigating through a dark hour in our shared history as Russia continues a brutal war on Ukraine. Biden called for greater Indo-Pacific leadership in the effort to stop Russian aggression at the start of the summit today with the leaders of Australia, India, and Japan. In the NBA playoffs, the Celtics beat the Heat to even the series of two games apiece. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Orioles. The Mets beat the Giants. The Nationals and A's lost. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael 519 on Wall Street live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Christine Lagarde says the European Central Bank won't be rushed into withdrawing monetary stimulus as officials act to contain inflation running at almost four times their 2% target. The EZB president sat down for an interview with Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Conversation comes just a day after Lagarde said higher interest rates are coming in July. Let's hear what she had to say about that and listen to that interview right now. 
I think it was, it was good to set out the terms under which uh, we are going to turn the corner of negative interest rates. So was this more a message to the markets or was it more to a message to the members of the Governing Council? It was a message to anybody who is interested in monetary policy, really, because we have been going through eight years of negative interest rates, uh, special accommodation, and uh, we are clearly now um, at a turning point. And I thought it was appropriate at this point mm -hmm. to explain what uh, the journey is, what the direction of travel is, what the destination is in the relatively short term, and what is our uh, aim point as well. If you're hiking, you want to hike, why wait for July? We are not in a, in a, a panic mode. And we've started that journey, thinking about it very carefully, back in December, with steps along the way. And we are now at a stage where there is um, every certainty that we will stop net asset purchases uh, very early in, uh, in July, deciding yeah. so in June, uh, which will then clear the way for a rate hike uh, that will come reasonably shortly after that. So is there a danger that because of the timetable, which of course you know goes to the credibility of the ECB, which is we do QE first or we unwind that and then go into interest rates, that you miss a curve of inflation? I don't think so. I think that you know anybody who is very careful about analyzing real, realizes that we are in a situation which is vastly different from that of the United States, and we are actually uh, perfectly on time and not behind the curve. I think there is also great value in being steady, uh, predictable, and we said all along in our forward guidance that we would stop uh, quantitative easing in terms of net asset purchases because we will continue reinvesting as, uh, as we go, uh, and that then we look at, uh, at the interest rates, which will be the main tool uh, further on. Madame Gall, how difficult is it to actually give so much forward guidance, I guess as a message also to markets, when you don't really know how Russia reacts? We could have a gas embargo, we could have an oil embargo that would really make the inflation rate shoot up. You know, our mission is to um, guarantee, procure, reinforce price stability defined as the 2% inflation. So we might be... Um, regarded as a bit stubborn in that respect, but that's the job we have to do. But of course we are data dependent. We look at developments, we look at what is going to influence inflation and inflation expectations. So we look very carefully at wages at the moment, yeah. wage negotiations. We're looking very carefully at all inflation expectations, and we believe that it is uh, time to act as indicated. Yeah, under what circumstances do you think a 50 basis point hike would be warranted? Look, what I said um, is we are at a turning point. We have all the uh, components in place for that. Uh, we are turning our back to negative interest rates. We are moving very likely uh, into positive territory at the end of the third quarter. And then, of course, we will calibrate. We will establish exactly by how much we want to do that. It, when you talk about, of course, no longer negative rates, has the market quite understood that this could mean also positive rates? Well, you know, when you're out of negative, you can be at zero, you can be slightly above zero. This is something that we will determine uh, on the basis of, of our uh, projections, on the basis of uh, our forward guidance. I think that there are good reasons to believe that all three conditions will be satisfied in June and further on uh, during the, uh, the summer. Where are we in the third quarter? Could we be, you know, above zero in terms of interest rates? Is that kind of the this trajectory? Is, this or? is what I'm saying I stick to. 
Yeah. We will be out of negative interest rates, most likely, uh, before the end of the third quarter. How, how do you see inflation developing from now? I mean, again, there's so many unknowns because of the war. You know, there are lots of forces, um, and, and some of them, you know, counteracting against each other. You have the war, uh, which in and of itself is an absolute drama and has massive economic impacts, not just in Ukraine and eventually in Russia, but for the rest of the world. We have energy prices, uh, which have gone up significantly and represents a big chunk of inflation. Uh, we have food prices. I mean, there's a whole series of things that are weighing on growth down and pushing inflation up. But on the other side, you also have forces. You know me, I'm, I tend to be a positive person, and I try to look at what is likely to counteract those very significant shocks. And that was the ECB president, Christine Lagarde, speaking with Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix from the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Catch more of the interview online at Bloomberg.com. I was looking at the euro right now, euro dollar 107.17. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, Dow futures right now 316 points lower. That is down 1%. The S&P E-mini futures, 56 points lower, 1.4% lower. And the NASDAQ futures down 242 points. That is down 2%. Among the most actively traded shares, a plunge this morning for shares of SNAP. Ten-year yield in the U.S. at 2.806. That is down four basis points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg weather from meteorologist Rob Carolyn. Cloudy today, passing showers sprinkle possible this morning. High temperature around 70 degrees. Tonight, mostly cloudy, the low temperatures in the mid-50s. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Futures are declining following yesterday's rally to start the trading week. CEO of Goldman Sachs International Richard Nod says he expects swings in markets to continue as the Fed attempts a soft landing. Everybody wants to you know, talk about recession. Yeah, so there's a lot of data coming out. And if you just think what we've come through, you know, the last two years, the pandemic, you know, the massive interventions, you know, how do we find a steady path forward? It's not surprising there's volatility. Bringing supply and demand you know, into balance again, this is going to be a tricky journey. Goldman Sachs International CEO Richard Nod spoke with Bloomberg's Francine Lacqua at the World Economic Forum in Davos. We'll speak live with Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan in Davos later this morning. Tune into Bloomberg Radio and Television at 11 a.m. Wall Street time to hear the full interview. And today's market direction being influenced by disappointing earnings from SNAP. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with details. Renita, good morning. Good morning, John. When markets closed yesterday, Snap warned that it would miss second quarter profits 
profited revenue forecasts and needs to slow hiring. CEO Evan Spiegel cites the economic environment, and that sent shares tumbling around 30 percent, which appears to be holding in pre-market trading. If that loss holds, it would be SNAP's biggest daily drop on record, making the company lose some $11 billion in market value. SNAP's also dragging down other tech names in pre-market trading. Twitter, Meta, Pinterest, and Alphabet are all lower. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. On the flip side, shares of Zoom are up about 6.5% in early trading after projected sales and profit for the current quarter topped Wall Street estimates. And turning to monetary policy, Kansas City Fed President Astor George expects the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates to 2% by August. She says tightening afterwards will be guided by how fast inflation cools off. Well, overseas, John, President Biden is wrapping up his trip to Asia. He urged fellow Indo-Pacific leaders to make a greater effort to stop Vladimir Putin's aggression in Ukraine. We're Indo-Pacific powers, I said. We're going to stand with you, our close democratic partners. And we're going to stand for the shared values that uh, and the shared vision we all have. President Biden also said he would review Trump-era tariffs on China as consumer prices surge. And back at home, more primary elections today across several states' key elections taking place in Georgia, Texas, Alabama, Minnesota, and Arkansas. And futures are lower this morning. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Thank you very much, John. Police continue to search for the gunman in the fatal shooting of a man on a New York subway train. Mayor Adams says there were no police officers on the train car where the shooting occurred Sunday. He says the city will evaluate how it is deploying officers across the sprawling subway system. Police say 48-year-old Daniel Enriquez of Brooklyn was killed without provocation. Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott is praising a federal judge's ruling late Friday that keeps the COVID-era immigration order Title 42 in place for now. Governor Abbott toured an area beneath the Eagle Pass International Border Crossing in southwest Texas. He accused the Biden administration of not doing enough to stem the flow of illegal crossings at the border. We don't want communities like Eagle Pass uh, to be overrun uh, with large number of migrants who are milling around in the streets. Critics of Governor Abbott say Title 42 uses COVID as an excuse to block people who have a legal claim to enter the United States, like asylum seekers and refugees. Doctors in Washington State are the latest to announce they're treating a patient with a suspected case of monkeypox, bringing the number of states investigating cases to five. Dr. Jennifer McQuiston is the deputy director of the CDC's Division of High-Consequence Pathogens and Pathology. People can become infected with monkeypox through close, sustained skin-to-skin contact with someone who has an active rash or through respiratory droplets in someone who has lesions in their mouth and they're around another person for an extended period of time. Dr. McQuiston says most patients with monkeypox will recover on their own within two to four weeks of their first symptoms. Another shipment of baby formula is scheduled to arrive in Washington tomorrow. The head of the USDA says the formula shortage crisis could ease in the next 30 days. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. 
Okay, it's now 5.36 on Wall Street. And it's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Thanks, John. Garrett Cole allowed five runs on seven hits in eight innings as the Yankees fell to the Orioles 6-4, suffering their season-high third straight loss. Aaron Judge homered twice in defeat. Before the game, Yankees third baseman Josh Donaldson was suspended one game by Major League Baseball after referring to White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson as Jackie, referencing Jackie Robinson. Donaldson is appealing the suspension, saying that the reference stems from comments made by Anderson back in a 2019 interview where he compared himself to Jackie Robinson. Donaldson was placed on the COVID-19 injury list yesterday prior to the loss against the Orioles. Elsewhere, the Mets with a big night in the Bay Area. Cat is 0 for 3 tonight, and he launches one to deep left center, headed back toward the wall, and it's out of here! Canna makes it back-to-back home runs. McNeil and now Canna with his fourth of the year, and it's 9-2 to New York. Call on SNY. Pete Alonzo homered as well as the Mets route the Giants 13-3. Hockey tonight, the Rangers look to even up their series at two games apiece against the Hurricanes. The Oilers take on the Flames in Game 5. They lead two games to one. Tennis at the French Open. Several top players are out, including defending women's champ Barbara Krejcikova. The women's number two seed losing to French teenager Diane Perry. Elsewhere, Naomi Osaka is out losing to Amanda Anisimova. Osaka says she's not 100% sure she'll compete at Wimbledon. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, Scott. It is now 537 on Wall Street, and that's time for the Tri-State Business Report. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Well, even before COVID-19 hit, the state of New York was facing an outflow of tax-paying residents. The state had an average annual net out-migration of 28,700 part-year residents between 2015 and 2019, according to a report. That means the state has lost about 115,000 tax filers during the period. New York City's subway system is carrying fewer riders than expected this year as crime has spiked, including a violent subway attack last month that shook the city. There were 415 million subway and bus trips taken from January through April, about 99 million less than budgeted. New York City's last freestanding public payphone was taken away from Times Square on Monday morning. Free Wi-Fi kiosks by Link NYC, a program backed by the technology consortium City Bridge in partnership with the city, began to replace payphones in 2015. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, thanks. In 538 on Wall Street, Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. And let's check in now with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about video game testers at Activision Blizzard voting to join a union. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that a special committee of the city council has approved a $1.7 billion proposal by Bally's to build the city's first casino. I'm Caroline Hepcom, Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the opening of the new Elizabeth Line. Years overdue and billions over budget, but transformational according to Andy Byford, the Transport for London Commissioner. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KFAB in Omaha. Farmers are still seen making money despite soaring costs. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting nine companies from Northeast Ohio made the Fortune 500 this year. And those are some of these stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. 
It is 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. It's disappointing that U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has chosen to escalate his quarrel with the EU at this moment. But unfortunately, it's not surprising. Ed issues the Northern Ireland Protocol, a part of the U.K.'s exit deal with Europe that controls trade to and from the province. Brexit has made trade involving Northern Ireland costlier and more complicated pushing it farther away from Britain and closer toward Ireland. Members of Northern Ireland's Democratic Unionist Party say that as long as the protocol stays in place, they'll refuse to take their seats in a power-sharing government. So Johnson, bending to their pressure, has essentially told Europe, change the protocol or I'll scrap it unilaterally. No doubt the protocol was poorly designed and needs attention, but it can be mended through cooperation, not by Johnson threatening to tear up an agreement he himself Championed. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPI and go. Down futures right now, down 280. S&P futures down 51. This is Bloomberg. Just ahead, snap, and just like that, social media takes a tumble. Bloomberg's Alex Webb will stop by to talk about what is essentially a digital advertising story. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are lower this morning after a profit warning from Snap weighed on technology shares and fueled concerns about risk to economic growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 51 points. Dow futures down 275. And NASDAQ futures down 223. That's down about 1.9%. The DAX in Germany is down nine-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 12.30 seconds, yield 2.80%. The yield on the two-year, 2.57%. NYMEX crude oil is down a third of a percent, or 36 cents, at $109.93 a barrel. COMEX gold up four-tenths percent, or $8.10 at 1862 an ounce. The euro, 1.0712 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2497. And the yen at 127.31. Bitcoin this morning is down about a quarter percent at $29,240. And shares of Snap are down more than 28% in early trading. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. With midterm primaries well underway, voters head to the polls in five states today. In Georgia, where former President Trump's hold on the Republican Party will be tested in the governor's race, Trump-backed David Perdue, while former Vice President Mike Pence sides with the other man in the race, incumbent Governor Brian Kemp. The U.S. and Britain are accusing Russia of spreading disinformation online and manipulating public opinion about the war in Ukraine. The two countries vehemently rejecting Russia's claim that the West is aiming to control all information flows and define what is true or untrue. NBA playoffs, the Celtics beat the Heat to even the series at two games apiece. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Orioles. The Mets beat the Giants. 
The Nationals and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg John. Michael, thank you. 549 on Wall Street. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Daybreak. A slump in tech. Let it drop for futures after Snap soured the mood with a cut to revenue and profit forecast. Uh, shares, as Karen mentioned, dropping 29% pre-market, dragging peers from Meta to Pinterest and Twitter with it. And let's get a closer look this morning with Alex Webb, correspondent for Bloomberg Quick Take. Alex, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, remind to anybody born last century what Snap does, why this is a uh, digital advertising story. Well, Snap is a social media platform, but largely used by younger users. Who It's fleeting images and videos which, uh, after having been watched, then disappear. It, it attracts users by encouraging them to post every day. They have streaks that they might otherwise use. And as with any other social media platform, they make their money from advertising. And as we know, when there's a slowdown in the economy, often the first thing that uh, brands and companies in general turn to uh, in terms of finding cost savings is their marketing budget. And uh, that's what's happening here. The smaller ones are getting hit first, perhaps a bit more resilience among the bigger ones. Okay, so the CEO, what is he blaming? You know, the broader inflationary uh, pressures that we're seeing from, uh, you know, not least the, the war in Ukraine, but s- supply chain snarl-ups, all these things that are affecting companies' uh, profits and therefore encouraging co- companies are therefore having to cut down on their on their expenditures. Uh, you know, the thing that you also have to look at with Snap is that it was valued pretty highly already. It was valued at then before yesterday's news and, of course, until markets open, something like 50 times its forward earnings. Now compare that to Facebook, which trades at about 15 times its forward earnings, and, and Twitter, which is about 35 times. And Snap was very generously valued. Now, if you if Snap is saying that its earnings are going to come down, which it well, they're not going to grow as much as they had expected. They've said it will be below the uh, the range they had previously given. That means that. By extension, the valuation has to come down as well. We're seeing that a lot of corrections are happening then in the social media space as people realize these valuations are quite generous. Yeah, I mean, how much of the story is specific just to the company or is it, as you say, a much, much broader story? It is a broader story, but as I sort of alluded to earlier, the... The big companies like Facebook and, and Google or Meta and, and Google, you know, they have, by some counts, you know, even Instagram has one and a half billion um, active users. So does YouTube, uh, and of course, even more people using Google Search. So, even with inflationary pressures, a lot of brands will still feel they have to be on those two big platforms. That, you know, if someone is going on the internet and searching for blue t-shirts and you are in the business of selling blue t-shirts you have to be advertising on google that is less the case at some of the smaller platforms like snap like twitter like pinterest which are a bit more discretionary uh, perhaps adding you're trying to find its brand recognition you're trying to find new customers in a different way from from actually driving a sale in the way that you might do on google search uh how does apple figure into this well, Apple's role is quite significant because of some changes they introduced recently um, pertaining to what's known as ID, IDFA, Identification for Advertisers. Now, this is a, a sort of number which let brands work out or app makers 
work out who was in their app and going from app to app. So, for instance, if I'm in Snap and I see in Snapchat and I see an advert, advert for Nike sneakers, and then I decide half an hour later or even two weeks later in the Nike app to buy those sneakers, it knows that I am the same person because of IDFA. Now, what Apple brought in was changes which made it easier for people to say, don't track me across apps. That means that it's harder for the likes of Snap to say, well, actually, we help drive, drive that sale for you, Nike, by showing them an, av- an ad in our app. And so that means it, it destroys a bit of value for the likes of Snap. It's something that a lot of these social media companies and, of course, other app makers are complaining about, but it is very good for you know consumer choice and consumer privacy. Alex, thanks a lot for the explainer. Appreciate it. Alex Webb, correspondent for Bloomberg Quick Take. And, again, on the pre-market this morning, Snap shares the most actively traded. Right now they're down 28%. Karen. All right, John, thank you. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for our Bloomberg Law Report. We get to the legal stories we're watching this morning with Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. Senators in both parties are looking at adding tax perks, a credit for U.S. producers of semiconductors, to a bill addressing economic competitiveness. Some Democrats, though, aren't happy with the idea of adding tax provisions that benefit corporations. Lawmakers who want to raise the $10,000 deduction cap on state and local tax payments are looking for another way to get it done. They're hoping to see it go through the appropriations process. And battle lines are forming on Capitol Hill in the effort to include cryptocurrency assets in 401k plans. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need all on one legal research platform including guidance analysis and bloomberg market intelligence find out more at bloomberglaw.com all right joan thank you now another legal story we're watching this morning cryptocurrency litigation is soaring prompted by a surge of investors in the space and u.s proposals promise more rules to fight over in the coming months and years according to law firm morrison cohen crypto has generated more than 200 class action lawsuits and other private litigation as of this month up more than 50 percent since the start of 2020 for more on the uptick in lawsuits bloomberg's june grasso spoke with sam skolnick a report for Bloomberg Law. Currently, there are uh, roughly 400 actions, be they private lawsuits, government suits, that are, are, are current in this space. Um, that number has grown consistently over the years, according to at least um, one guy at a firm called Morrison & Cohen, a mid-sized firm in New York, that keeps track of these lawsuits regarding crypto companies. About half of the 400, though, he said that there's been a real explosion in one portion of this. That has to do with class action lawsuits, other private litigation. About half of that 400 number is is roughly 200. That number has grown um, exponentially over just the last few years. And interestingly, June, just a, a quick search of this litigation, of this private litigation, shows some pretty big names attached to some of these suits. And you don't have to follow legal news specifically to know some of these names. For example, in January, there was a a class action. I think it's still awaiting certification, but a putative class action against Kim Kardashian, the uh, celeb mutant, as well as former boxing champ of Floyd Mayweather Jr. and others. And what that suit alleged is that the defendants had made uh, misleading statements in Twitter and in other social media posts to investors of one specific uh, cryptocurrency token called Ethereum Max. And then there have been lots of other big companies, including, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but the fancy French scarf and bag maker Hermes International. 
They also have been involved in litigation of a different type, where it's patent and trademark infringement litigation. Uh, also, I believe in January, they sued a company called Mason Rothschild in the federal court in Manhattan, uh, basically claiming that that this other company had sold a non-fungible token. These are non-replicable digital collectible items and uh, that they were doing so illegally that they were infringing on trademark from this uh, French fashion house. And that's Bloomberg Law reporter Sam Skolnick speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast or downloading this show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg terminal at BLaw Go. S&P futures are lower this morning, down 45 points, Dow futures down 240, and NASDAQ futures down to 202. Ten-year Treasury up 12.30 seconds, yield 2.80%. Our top stories straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, and this is Bloomberg. Success. It's discipline. It's teamwork. It's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing global wealth management and investment banking firms in the industry. Stiefel, it's where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.